Acts chapter 12. If you there, say amen. Beginning at verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. When he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. The angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true which was done by the angel but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord, and they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Father, we need you today. We covet your touch. We covet your presence. We covet your spirit. Lord, do in this place what can only be done by the Lord. Do in this house what no man will ever be able to take credit for. God, may you be glorified. May your Son, Jesus Christ, be lifted up as a result of this word. We believe this, we thank you for it, and we praise you for it. In the precious and wonderful name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. If you'll leave your Bibles open to Acts chapter 12, but you can take me down just a little bit in the house, but not in the monitor if you would. As the Lord has directed, I'd like to share with you on the thought of setting up for your miracle. Miracles still happen today. Miracles of the Gospels still happen today. Miracles of the book of Acts, they still take place in the life of a church body. 
in the life of individuals of those who believe. We can't say it enough. We cannot quote it enough. It is the words of Jesus. With man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And nothing is impossible with God. Every broken body, every shattered marriage, every needy situation, every wounded relationship, every single soul dead in trespasses and sins, all can be healed, provided for, and resurrected. But in this miracle today, I believe there are some important things that help us posture ourselves for a mighty move of God in our lives. The first I want to share with you in setting up for your miracle, the first thing I would say to you, it is good to be, quote, certain of the church. Verse 1 says, now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. You know, Pulaski is no different than most towns and counties. There are churches on many street corners and people sitting in many seats. It would be nothing to go downtown in many cities and towns and see three and four churches next to each other, literally, dotting the landscape. And we're certainly not shortchanged of churches in our town and county. But I got to tell you, only certain of the church are making a difference. I'll say that again. Only certain of the church are making a difference. Only certain of the church are shaking the caverns of hell. Only certain of the church are rescuing the lost. Only certain of the church are seeing healings and miracles in their midst. Only certain of the church are, are bold and courageous with their witness. Only certain of the church, honestly, are unashamed of the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. As I stand before you today, I can say unashamedly that only certain of the church are fulfilling the great commission, which is to go out and reach people for Jesus and teaching them the precepts of the Lord. Only certain of the church are living out the great commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. I asked the question this morning, are we at Pulaski Church of God any different? Do we have too many of us that are blending in rather than being bold and standing out. Thank God that as you look at the pattern of the early church, you will find that there were certain ones of the church that were powerful and impacting and spirit-filled and anointed and did mighty exploits. Thank God for the certain ones in the early church. You see, if I look in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, I read these words. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been 
with Jesus. They took knowledge of them. They were unlearned and ignorant men. They didn't have a lot of education. They, did not, they were not well scribed in all of the religious information of the day, but they had spent time with Jesus. They had walked with Jesus and, and they had petitioned Jesus and they ate with Jesus and they, they talked with Jesus. They didn't just covet Jesus' protection and Jesus' provision, but they longed to linger in the presence of Jesus. And I'm telling you, when a person goes beyond longing for what he can do to protect you and what he can do to provide for you and they get to the place where they just want to linger in the presence of the Lord they are the ones friend who know the miraculous power of Jesus Christ they don't just call upon Jesus in an emergency Jesus is their life Holy Ghost help me preach this morning Jesus is their existence he's their breath he's their bread he He's their water. He's everything. They are the certain ones of the church. You see, these certain ones had heard the words of Jesus when he said to them, Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all manner of evil, and nothing shall harm you. They are the ones that heard Jesus say, Behold, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. These are the certain ones that became a threat. They became a threat to religion. They became a threat to the status quo. They became a threat to the kingdom of darkness. I'm afraid today in our day we have too many churches with too many Christians that are sitting on a seat and they're never harassing the devil and they're never being harassed by the devil and so they are no threat. I read this one time it didn't originate with me but it certainly is true. We have too many sitting on the premises instead of standing on the promises. We got many, too many taking up space instead of rising up with the authority that God has given you. I'm telling you he didn't call call you to blend in. He didn't call you to be a mauve color. He called you to be a bold black and white to stand up and be counted because you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. God has called you and I to be the certain ones of the church and I promise you when you take authority in the name of Jesus with a life to back it up, you will put dents in the enemy's arsenal and miracles will be the result. You want a miracle. You desire a miracle. You say, God, I've got to have a miracle. I'll tell you where you start. You start by saying, I'm going to be a certain of the church. I'm not just going to blend in. Jesus is going to be my everything. And when Jesus becomes your everything, watch out, friend, because you have set yourself up to be a candidate for the miraculous power of God to work in you and through you and around you to affect others for the glory of God. God help me to be certain of the church. Certain of the church. Oh Lord, here I'm wandering here. 
I'm telling you, you're not certain of the church when the Lord heard from you in worship today. But that's the last time he heard from you since last week when you were here in the house of the Lord on the Lord's day. You're not certain of the church if you've let the whole week go by and you never cracked the life-giving voice of God into your life. You're not certain of the church. But I'm telling you, if you sit here today and you say, Pastor, you know I need a miracle. I need a healing in my body. I need God to touch in my family. I got some lost children and grandchildren that need to be rescued and set free. Let me tell you where it starts. It starts with saying, you know what? Jesus is going to be my all in all. It's not just about what he does for me. It's not just about how he protects me. But it's the reality that I have fallen in love with the Lord. And I desire every moment of every day to be in his presence. I'm telling you, when you do that, when you take that kind of posture and position, you are putting yourself and setting yourself up to see divine intervention in ways you never dreamed or imagined. Holy Ghost, help me today to communicate this and for us to receive, we simply need more of Jesus. We simply need more of Jesus. I want to be like the Apostle Paul. Whether I'm ever known on this earth, I want to be known in heaven. I want to be known in hell. I want so much of Jesus that when I roll out in the, out of bed in the morning, that the devil looks over at the imps and says, Bad news, fellas, he got up again. He rolled out for another day. That's how much of Jesus. Can it happen? Can you be certain of the church? Absolutely. But it will not happen with lazy Christians that will not engage in spiritual warfare. When you take on the enemy in the name of Jesus, the threats will come. The attacks will take place. But it's better, it's better if I die in warfare than to perish in a religion of formality that is dead and has nothing to offer. What did Jesus say in Matthew 16? After Peter's great proclamation, he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you when you called me Christ, the son of the living God, but my father, which is in heaven. Then he, when he, went, when, then he went on, and this is what he said. He said, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon the rock of your confession, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. For the longest time, for the longest time, Brother Fred, I believed that that meant that we would defend ourselves against the gates of hell. That we were in this posture that if the gates of hell came against us, we would be able to overcome. But I'm telling you, you go study that in the original Greek, and that is not what it means at all. What it means in the original Greek of the New Testament is not that we are to be on the defensive, but that hell's supposed to be on the defensive. Come on now. <laughs> we're not supposed to be hoping that hell doesn't bother us we're supposed to be going and bothering hell 
That's exactly what that means. It means that the church is going to be so powerful that the gates of hell are not going to be able to stand up and resist the onslaughts of the church. I'm telling you, God has called us to populate heaven and to depopulate hell. And that's only going to happen when we're certain of the church and we're willing to storm the gates of darkness. Oh, i got to hurry here. I mean, when I look at this miracle, I find it interesting. Don't you find it interesting that it took 16 soldiers and one chained to either side of Peter to keep him secure? I mean, he is shut up within double gates, guarded by double sentinels, while double keepers and double chains seem to defy rescue. But he that sits in heaven laughs at them. <laughs> the second thing I want you to note here I find interesting is that earlier in Acts chapter 5, Peter and John had been thrown in jail. And in that event, some seven chapters earlier, an angel had delivered them by night. This was the second time. Peter's like, been there, done that. This was the second time that he was delivered. Boy, I thought about that. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit hit the pause button. So I'm going to hit the pause button here to say I'm not interested in the one that has the most eloquence the one that has the most charming charisma, but give me the saint of God with the battle scars. Give me the saint of God that's been in a prison cell and known what it's like to be delivered. Give me the, give me the saint that is the certain of the church that's known what it's like to, to fight the devil tooth and nail and come out victorious. That's the one I want to run with. That's the one that's a real threat. That's the one that's making a difference, not only in this world, but in the outer spiritual world. That's the person that I I want to spend time with. Peter was so anointed, so anointed by God that his very shadow brought the healing power of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know this, by his shadow healing, you knew he had spent time in the shadow of the Almighty. Mm. Certain of the church, are you Certain of the church. Second thing I see in this miracle, if you're going to set up for a miracle, is that you've got to be, you've got to have the ability to rest in opposition. That's what he did. Peter rested. How, how, I don't know. I, I can't figure this out except God. But how does Peter rest at a time like this? How, how, how is he able to sleep on the eve of his execution, his head is about to roll. He's laying there sound asleep on a stone-cold floor between two smelly soldiers. How, how is that possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. He knew two things. One, this is very important. You've got to get this. One, he knew people were praying for him. The second thing he knew, and the reason why he had peace... It's because Jesus had already said he would live to be old and his life would be crucified like the Lord's. So let me tell you what he had. 
This is important. He had the prayers of the people and the promise of the Savior. My God, my God. God can take the worst and make it the best. There's people in this room right now, you're sleep deprived because you are, are just so consumed with worry and anxiety. And I've come by to tell you, you've got two things working for you. You've got the prayers of the people and the promise of the Savior. You need to go to bed and you need to go to sleep. And you need to rest as God intended for you to rest. Now that's good preaching. That was free. My pastor used to say that didn't cost you a dime. It wasn't even in my notes. He had the intercessions of others and the promise of the Savior. Well, he was in a deep sleep. He, I mean, how do you know he was in a deep sleep? What? The Word says a bright light came from God and suddenly bursted through, and Peter must have kept right on snoring. To the place that the angel of God had to smote him on the side and lift him up. Now, that's what I call some good sleep. That's what I call some, some good peace. See, friend, when you're at peace, when you're at rest, even with everything going on in your life, you give God permission and the opportunity to work his miraculous plan without your interference. Hebrews tells us there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. That's, that's talking about heaven. But I strongly believe before heaven ever gets here or before I ever get there, I can have peace that passes all understanding. The promise is he blesses his people with peace. And in a few minutes, we're, we're, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for your miracle. But we're also going to believe for your peace while the miracle is on its way. Let me go back Old Testament here for a few moments. Abraham's told to sacrifice his only son. He says, to the servant shall stay here. I and the lad will return. And they start to climb Mount Moriah. The son, Isaac, looks at his dad and said, we've got, the, we've got the wood, we've got the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And he said, God will provide the sacrifice. Most of you know the story. If you don't, he got to the top of the mountain, was willing to give his only son a promise, bound him up, laid him down, was ready to take a, a knife and, and sacrifice him to God, and the angel of the Lord stopped him. And the Bible says he opened up his eyes and looked over there and caught in the thicket was a ram. Let me tell you something today. I believe that while Abraham and Isaac started up one side of the mountain, that that ram started up the other side of the mountain. And at the moment of provision, at the moment of need, at the moment of desperation, when Abraham and Isaac got to their place, the ram was already there waiting on them. Why do you share that? Because you need to be at peace. There's too many of you, you're, you're wrestling and you're, you're wringing your hands and you need, the, you need the spirit of peace that came over Peter to come over you. 
setting up for your miracle. Certain of the church and to review, you got to be certain of the church. Secondly, you got you to rest in your opposition. Now, now this, this next one's important too. Thirdly is when it's time to move, you have to move. Verse 7, the angel said, arise up quickly. Now, move. That's Pentecostal to me. That's spontaneous. When you're Pentecostal, you believe in spontaneity. When you're Pentecostal and you're spirit-filled and spirit-led, there's some things you don't have to pray about. If you're prayed up, if you're already prayed up, then you're just following the direction of the Spirit of God every day of your life. Arise up quickly. Peter jumps up. And the chains fell off from his hand. I believe if he'd have sat there too long, the chains would have stayed on. We need to learn to move. When the Holy Ghost tells us to move, we don't, we don't need to debate. We just need to obey. You remember, I'm a parent, parents in the room, you can, every one of you can appreciate this. You're telling your kids to do something, and with that whiny voice, they say, why? And us parents being thick-headed, we try the route of logic and reason. You can't reason with teenagers and children. You can try. You can attempt to. But you've gone through three or four reasons why you want them to do what you want them to do. And then you finally, at a place of frustration, you said, because I said so. Through gritted teeth. You got smoke coming off your head. You want to look at him, grab him by the shoulders and say, look, I'm large and I'm in charge and I'm the one that said to do it. Now do it. <laughs> the last time you were checked, you were the parent. Although sometimes you wonder. See, some of them, oh my goodness, you go into public places sometimes. This has nothing, this is not inspired at all. You go into public places sometimes, you wonder who the parent is. But the last time you checked, you were the parent. And I, I'm convinced the reasons we're not seeing more miracles is number one, we aren't hearing the Spirit. Number two, we aren't obeying the Spirit. And number three, we aren't doing what the Spirit wants us to do when the Spirit wants us to do it. But the last time I checked, he's still God. He's still in control of the universe, and he's still in control of your life and mine if we plead the blood of Jesus over our soul. You got to quit having pity parties, you got to start having power parties. You've got to quit debating deliverance. You're a child of God. You're an heir of God. You're a joint heir with Christ. 
you got to let those chains of doubt and despair and discouragement and pride, you, you got you to let them drop. you got to rise quickly. Claim your miracle. Verse 8, gird yourself, bind on your sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, cast your garment about you and follow me. The angel gave him time to get ready. The angel told Peter to, to follow him. The angel led him past the guards and pushed open the iron gates. Iron gates that probably took 10 or 12 men to open normally. But the same God that called, caused an axe head to swim, what's an iron gate to him? Peter received his miracle yet once again. It was a few Wednesday nights ago, I, I told the class I was teaching, I said, I've, I have made the mistake of taking Scripture and becoming passive about it. You know, God, I need a healing if it is your will. You leave if it is your will up to him. Drop the phrase completely. And just say, I'm a child of God. I'm laying claim to my healing. How about that? We've become too passive with our faith. And Jesus used terms like the kingdom suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. Scripture talks about he teaches our hands to war and our fingers to fight. He doesn't want a bunch of mamby-pamby pansy believers. He wants some warriors that will stand up and say, God, I'm counting on you for my miracle. So I'm going to ask you three questions. Are you willing to be certain of the church? Let me tell you what that means. Again, you've got to live, breathe, eat, drink Jesus. Anything less than that, <laughs> devil's not going to harass you near as much. You're not going to be a threat to him either. So are you willing to be certain of the church? Secondly, are you, are you resting patiently Allowing God to work? Or are you anxious and restless and wringing your hands? That is not God's will for your life. He said, be anxious for nothing. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. You stand up there and preach with that microphone, you have no clue what I'm going through. What's the matter with you, preacher? Where's your empathy and your sympathy? I'm trying to help you live in victory. The scripture commands you be anxious for nothing. So are you are, are you are you resting patiently like Peter sleeping? And thirdly, are you are you debating with the Holy Spirit on the direction that you are to take on the way to your miracle. Here, here's, here's what's sad. What's sad is I'm, I'm afraid, and God dropped this in my spirit, that some of you this morning, in just a couple of minutes, you're going to disobey. Even though you know it is the Spirit calling you, 
And it is the word that says we are to anoint you with oil and pray for you. But you're going to be disobedient because you done forgot who your parent is. You done forgot who your father is. And your father, the father is going to say, I want you to go up to the altar. I want you to be prayed for. You need a miracle. And, and my word says I call for elders of the church to anoint you with oil and pray for you. That's the word. You don't have to debate it. You don't have to wonder about it. The Spirit is not going to lead you contrary to the Word, and the Word's not going to lead you contrary to the Spirit. And unfortunately, you're going to walk out of here, and next week things are going to be just as messy, if not more messy, than they were this morning. And the reason is because He told you to rise up quickly, and you sat there and debated it. You were worried about what somebody thought. You worried about, I don't know, I, I don't know how I feel about this. Certain of the church, resting in opposition and being obedient to the Spirit of God when the Spirit of God leads. Setting up for your miracle. I don't know what you need. Maybe you need a healing. I do the best I can to bear your burden with you when you're broken in body. I know for a fact we have marriages that are under attack. I know for a fact we have some parents that are estranged from children and children estranged from their parents. I know for a fact there are people that are that are destitute, that need divine miracle of provision. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. I know about many of these as I look and pan across this congregation. I know there are desperate needs in this house. But are you willing to be certain of the church? Are you willing to rest, release it today, and let God work it out? Are you, are you willing to move as the Spirit leads you, when the Spirit leads you? I'm going to be obedient. Is that all right? We are Pentecostal here, aren't we? But this is what God wants us to do. Because when you stand up here, you need to know that, number one, you've got the prayers of the saints, and number two, you've got the promise of the Father. Those two things you need to know when you come. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to start, we're going to start right here, and we're a single file. Very important that we do this right. First person, stand right here, and, and single file all the way to each curtain of the miracle that you need. First person right here, give me a chance to stand in front of you. We ain't got to drag this out all afternoon, neither. If the Lord leads that way, so be it. I ain't got nowhere to be. But this is what God wants us to do. Single file line. If, you, if you're desperate for a miracle, from one curtain to the other. Come on, quickly. You can come on the keyboard, Tony. Get ready. Get ready, praise team. Get ready, band. If you need a miracle, come on. 
Single file. It's very important. It's single file. Stand right next to the person. Next, come on. Come on. Give me room to stand in front of you. Give me room to come in front of you. My Lord. My Lord. Holy Spirit, have your way. If it needs to go over out in the hallway, that's perfectly fine. You're still coming. I know many of us here, we're kind of used to kind of sitting back and watching the clock and say, okay, we're not going to be rude and leave or anything like that while we're having altar service, but not today. Spirit of God, if you need to hook it on around, if you need to hook it on around Darlene and let them come in this way, as long as I can get in front of you, that's the main thing. More than sufficient in this room for every single person up here are believers that can come and stand behind them, put your hand on their shoulders, and pray for them. The Holy Spirit wants every single person that needs a miracle to have somebody behind them with their hands on their shoulders. You don't have to know what they have need of. You that are up against the wall, you may need to step forward just a couple of steps so somebody can come in behind you. I want to make sure everybody's got somebody behind them. Come on. I need some more. I need some more. Come on, we got to be obedient to the Holy Ghost today. I'm under a directive from God. I'm under a directive from the Lord. I need some more. I need some more. I think I'm good down here. I need some more over here. I've got 10 or 12 over here that need somebody flanking behind them. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to come by. We're going to anoint you with oil. If you want to tell me specifically what's happening, that's great. If you want to just say, I, I got a problem in my family. I got a problem with my emotions. I've got a problem in my body. I need a healing. I need God to provide for me. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. There's a lot of people up here for prayer. But I'm telling you, I, I believe that God is going to perform miracles in this house. Are you ready?